Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we're discussing the character of Black Widow. We're talking about the ethics of espionage. We're talking about how is her character portrayed. And we're talking about the actress Scarlett Johansson and how excited or not excited we are about the upcoming movie. All that and more right after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew. I'm your host. I'm joined today by Ellie McCreary. Ellie is a friend of mine, and I guess a cousin to be is the best way to describe her. Uh, Ellie mm-hmm. is the cousin of uh, my fiance, Mary McCreary. Uh, and Ellie is also a philosophy student and someone who I've been speaking with a lot about uh, ethics and comic books. And we got talking about the character of Black Widow and just all the great questions that she raises. So, Ellie, welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing very well. Yeah, this has been. A long time coming. I think last summer is when you first told me about your podcast, uh-huh. and then it took us a year. Yeah, <laughs> to we just never get quite going, quite get schedules lined up. But yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. I know from our our conversations, you've got a lot of great things to contribute, and I'm looking forward to where this conversation will go. Um, yeah, me too. Let's just start with general. What makes a uh, this topic and Black Widow someone you wanted to talk about? Yeah. So. Um, like you said, I'm a philosophy student and I'm also a women and gender studies minor. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I took a class called the philosophy of feminism actually, and that I loved it so much. So I just, I've always been really aware and interested in women's issues and representation. Um, and especially like with something like the Avengers and Marvel, it's such a huge thing in our society. And ever since even watching the first movies, I've always considered the role of women in those. And obviously, Black Widow is the right one of the main and only females in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's always her character has always interested me. And it's like, okay, a lot is riding on your character right now <laughs> for the sake of women. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think the way you phrase that is is really really helpful and and unfortunately really illustrates a big part of the problem with 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 tokenism really is that when mm-hmm. when someone is the only character of only character of a color or only character of a particular background or only or only woman as you said there's so much that 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 rides on that character um what for black widow especially what do you think like when when you first saw the character enter the MCU what what were you kind of wanting to see out of this character what were you worried about for the character what what was riding on this character yeah, I think so. I actually just rewatched some of the movies in preparation. Um, and I think I felt like, well, she was, because there was um, obviously Gwyneth Paltrow, Pepper Potts, and um, Colby Smulders' character. Those were the other two like females, but neither of them were like actively an Avenger fighting. Right. So it was clear that Black Widow was the only female who was like showing up to fight so i think there was a lot riding on that and like okay let's not make her the motherly figure which they kind of failed let's not throw her into a relationship again kind of failed on that um just like associating typical stereotypes with women like why can't she just be someone who fights hard and doesn't have to be involved with men all the time you know I, I think that's a really good point. We we have had a number of women characters. Um, almost every uh, main Avenger has had a love interest, uh, and some of them mm-hmm. fight. You know, um, certainly Peggy Carter is a fighter in her own way, but by the modern day story, she's no longer around. Uh, Pepper Potts is is an important character, but also somewhat of a damsel in distress. 
Um, mm-hmm. Thor has Natalie Portman's character, whose name I can never remember because uh, Jane, uh, Jane Foster, Jane Foster I think, because yeah. she's unfortunately kind of forgettable. But you're mm-hmm. right. Black Widow is the first one who really is portrayed as a warrior the way some of these others are. Um, and I think that's a good point, especially in, I mean, the way she's introduced. Um, have, was Iron Man 2 one of the movies that you saw? Um, I didn't rewatch that one. Okay. So it's been a while. No problem. It, it's one of the ones where we meet her, and I, I love a lot of the elements of her character. She's also highly sexualized, you know. You know, I mean, way that mm-hmm. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think you're right; it, it fits into some of those tropes that it sounds like you were sometimes wor- worried about a bit. Um, and and they they do it in kind of an interesting way because the point is that she's she's introduced with uh, the Iron Man character, and Tony sexualizes everyone, and that's kind of the point. Um, yeah. But they definitely play hard into her her as the femme fatale in ways that I think are make her an interesting character. But maybe when she's the only one. It, doesn't really feel right yeah exactly so do you have a favorite portrayal of, of black widow one in which you're like okay that that's the version of her that i really like in a particular movie or, or or part of the series yeah so um i actually think i liked her most in the original avengers mm. um because that was before her uh relationship and that was before like we find out she can't have children and that was obviously before her death and that one i felt like she was just like a strong female superhero and at that time when that movie came out like wonder woman hadn't come out there was really no female representation i mean correct me if i'm wrong um in like the superhero realm in terms of this and, this mod i mean obviously there have been wonder woman movies for a while but yeah. in terms of this modern rebooting that started yeah. in the 2000s I, I think that's pretty accurate yeah um so, and I just, yeah, I noticed a lot of things in Ultron that really bugged me. So I don't know if you, like, want to get into that mm-hmm. let, already. Let, let's talk about her a little bit in the in, in those first two movies, yeah. Lincoln and Ultron. Um, I definitely liked her a lot in, in Avengers. I think the way she's introduced, she, it just seems like there's so much more depth to her character. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the scene with her and the Russian mobsters where, like, she's tied up, but she portrays it as, like, I have this totally under control. I think yeah. it's just such a great scene. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and the way she interacts with um, Loki in that movie, I really enjoy. Exactly. Uh, what what, what you're going to take on her and Loki there? Well, I um, – so when I watched the movie, I hadn't seen it in a while, and I forgot that part. So when she initially, like, turned around and started crying, I was like, come on. Like, why are you making the female character cry? But then when she, like, snapped out of it and was like, oh, good, I got your plan, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's good. <laughs> we love to see that. So, yeah, and that and the Russian mob thing, too, where she's like, oh, I'm just helpless. And they're like, oh, we've got you now. And then she's like, oh, sorry, I got to go. And then just, like, absolutely uh-huh. destroys them. <laughs> so, I yeah, and things like that. And even, like, in the normal fight, it's just, like, her friendship with Hawkeye is really strong. And um, she's, like, an agent who's really involved and knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just think it was, like, a really good first impression for me. Yeah, I I can definitely see that, and that that to me that image sticks with me a lot more than her appearance in Iron Man Two, um, in part because Iron Man Two is also just a very bad movie in general. <laughs> um, but I I like those, um, especially because it does seem like it's kind of playing on the tropes that they'd maybe fallen into a little bit 
when they first started with her, you know, that she mm-hmm. she pretends to be the damp. We, we think she's the damsel in distress only to flip it on its head. You know, we think that she's the, you know, tied up and captured in this, um, uh, you know, by the Russians. And then is, but is completely in control of the situation the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. I also really liked and, and we'll definitely get to it in Ultron, but I, I liked the way they began to introduce her relationship with um, with Bruce Banner in the first mm-hmm. Avengers movie. Um, that they that they're able to connect with each other and that she's able to she fights with him, but that it seems she, they're introducing the idea that she can somewhat talk him down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it it it's one of those things where it's again it's a little bit of the the stereotype of the, the and they get more into this in Ultron, but of you know, well, the woman is the one who can sort of talk him down and can you know like soothe the savage beast. But mm-hmm. but in Avengers, at least, it felt like they didn't go there. They just made it more about these two characters. Um, Especially because at the time when everyone else is falling apart, Natalie seems like the one who most has her head on her shoulders in the Avengers movie. Natalie? Nat. Yeah, that, that's what they call her. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Natasha. Oh, na- okay. I, 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 I was remembering it's Nat and thinking it was Nat. Yeah. Yep, no, okay, that's my big faux pas. Uh, yes. <laughs> Natasha. Like, Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. Um. But yeah, I, so I, I, I think there's some great things with their portrayal there. Now, mm-hmm. throughout Avengers, they keep hinting at the, the kind of idea that she has this, like, they keep hinting at this idea of, you know, the the red in her ledger. Or no, or, Yeah. Do they say it's the red or her black? No, yeah, they say the red in her ledger. In in that movie, they keep hinting at the red in her ledger. What What's your take on, on the way that that is sort of portrayed as her having this, like, past that's never really explored much? Yeah, um... Just like in the franchise as a whole or in that movie? In the franchise as a whole, but especially in that movie, because I think that's where it comes up the most. Yeah, well, I think that, um, so they, I think they also, yeah, in Ultron, they like go a little bit more into depth. Um, but I also think that they talked about that a little bit with Hawkeye as well. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like these agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are very secretive and, you know, they've like done things in the past. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't really consider that one quite as much, except that it obviously means that like there is a backstory there. Right. And I'm sure we'll get into this more, but just like how incredibly ridiculous it is that (laughs) she hasn't had a movie until now. Yeah. Even though there seems to be this like rich backstory and it's maybe because she's not like a superhero, Mm -hmm. like the other ones per se, where she's more of just like an agent and a spy with like a specialized skill set. Right. But yeah, I don't know. What did you think? Yeah. I I think I kind of have a similar take. I'm, on the one hand, I love the mystery, and sometimes I like when a show or a movie doesn't tell us and lets just our imagination fill it in. But it also, mm-hmm. I think, it, it she's in some ways, and somewhat Hawkeye, but I feel like even more her, she feels fundamentally different than the rest of the characters because she is an Avenger and she fights just as well as them, but she doesn't have a superpower. She doesn't have any special abilities. She doesn't even, like, Hawkeye is very much associated with his gun, with his, I'm sorry, his bow and arrow. You yeah. know, she doesn't... Um, they kind of experiment with her having a couple of different weapons. At one point in um, Civil War, she has these kind of like energy weapon type things that Tony gives her, but they never really give her like a signature weapon. She's just a very good fighter. You know, she's a very good shot. She's mm-hmm. a very good martial artist. Um, and I, I, I would love to see more of that exploration of what does it mean to be a character who is playing with literal gods, you know, and super yeah. soldiers, but still is an essential part of the team. Um, and I think in some ways that's one of the most interesting about her. Um, mm-hmm. I also just always love the story of guilt. You know, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's my yeah. weird psychological makeup. I, 
I like the story of someone with a past that they're trying to make up for. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that I'm hoping for from this new movie. Uh, Well, we'll get to the new movie in a bit because there's a lot of feelings about it one way or the other. But I I would love to see more of that explored of what is that red in her ledger that she feels so bad about. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah, we were supposed to find out, but then (laughs) the pandemic hit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I think the plan is that the movie is going to come out in the fall. Um, Okay. There's all this discussion about will they just release it with – you know, release it straight to Disney on demand or something like that or video on demand. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that's a whole other story. Um, mm-hmm. I also really love the way she's portrayed in Winter Soldier because mm-hmm. kind of going – Winter Soldier to me, it feels like it's the espionage movie more than anything else. It's really the spy movie of the MCU. Um, yeah. And I like that in that world, you know, yeah, Captain's great because he can punch things really hard and he can win the fight. <laughs> but she seems like – her skill set is just as essential because she can figure things out. You know, she can help figure out how to be the spy, how to learn things, how to put all the pieces of this great conspiracy together. And I, that's a role you don't often see in the comic book movies because, yeah, as you're saying, it doesn't depend on her having any special abilities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, towards the end, she also like disguises herself. And yeah, I think she, be, because she's not a superhero, almost she has the ability to disguise herself in different ways and it's, it's definitely i think it shows her spy background mm-hmm. um and I, yeah it is interesting actually that it's like a part of the superhero franchise but she's a spy which we see in so many other movies and popular culture and those are kind of combining their skill sets almost right she's kind of like the jason Bourne or the james bond of this world yeah exactly she's without all the cool tech um mm-hmm. <laughs> no i think that's, i think that's true I also really like that in um, – and actually, I'm, I'm curious in your thoughts of this. So as we said, she's kind of introduced as the sexualized character in Iron Man 2, but she never – Tony flirts with her a lot, but nothing ever happens with her. Um, and then she – they establish well that they that she is friends with both Cap and with Hawkeye, but they, mm-hmm. they make pretty clear that there's not a flirtation there. There's a, a kiss between her and Cap in Winter Soldier – that, you know, they do for the trailers, but it's pretty clear that's not, you know, she does that to help hide at one point. Um, yeah. So what we wind up getting is, I mean, the character never winds up having a relationship of any kind, um, which I, in a lot of ways, I feel like there's there's good to that because, well, let me rephrase that, because clearly she does start to have one with Banner towards the end, but yeah. we never really see it go anywhere. Um, but starting off at least, what what's your kind of take on, how hard they work to make clear that she's not in a relationship with either Cap or Hawkeye and kind of letting her sort of stay out of that. Yeah, I think I appreciate that. Um, I especially appreciate uh, in Ultron when they show like how her and Hawkeye are very platonic. Yeah. Um, like a Hawkeye obviously has a wife and family. I just think that's important because I think oftentimes a woman is added into a franchise to provide like romance. Right. And I do think that um, including like that kiss in the trailer is definitely like a weird way of baiting people of like, ooh, look at this yeah. romance happening. Um, and I don't I don't love that. And also, yeah, it's just I think it often comes like a central theme of female characters is their romance, whereas a lot of male characters, the central theme is like their mission. Right. And the romance is, is very secondary. Exactly. Yeah. So um I appreciated that. I was, I think it becomes more primary in Ultron. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially then there's that whole scene with um, her talking about she can't get pregnant. So 
Right. We'll, we'll yeah, I think get I, to that for I sure. Wish, yeah, I think they. I wish they would have laid off of it a bit more. Like mm-hmm. I get whatever you need romance and movies to make it sell or something, and it was like very clearly going to involve her. Right. Because like God forbid they have gay Avengers. <laughs> so. You know, they they were yeah. so proud of that one gay character for 30 seconds, but... I know, yeah, yeah it's like this Star Wars um, thing. They just, like, had a gay couple kiss, and everyone was like, oh, my God, yeah. Star Wars is, like, LGBTQ plus positive. And I was like, okay, is this really our standard, people? Yeah, it, it like, should be a lot higher. Like, one on-screen kiss. And, <laughs> and it's part of why I ask it, because I feel like, um, and certainly I'm not the only one who's talked about this, but I know we, we from, your, from your perspective, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts, that this is kind of the one of the catch twenty two, not even a catch twenty two. That's one way to say it. But that this is one of the tensions in trying to write better women characters. Of mm-hmm. you know, as we said, almost every woman character we've met up till Black Widow comes along is introduced as the love interest of a character. Pepper Potts is Tony Stark's love interest. Um, uh, Peggy Carter is a very well developed character, but is is in the movie as Captain America's love interest. Um, mm-hmm. Jane Foster is Thor's love interest. Um, et, et cetera. And it seems like there's an interesting thing where on the one hand, I really like that they don't just immediately pair Black Widow uh, with another character and let her have a strong friendship with Cap and let her have a yeah. really powerful uh, friendship with Hawkeye. But also on the flip side of that is that you then like, you know, how do you then if, if you want to have a fully developed character who gets to do all the things a character does, you know, romance can be a part of that. Um, and it mm-hmm. seems like there's always this like double-edged sword of finding the line of how do you let a character be a romantic sexual character if if that sort of character is. I mean, asexual characters should be very much a part of this universe as well, um, mm-hmm. but not fall into the so now the character exists as the accessory to this male character. Yeah. So I actually do have a lot of thoughts on this. I took um, philosophy of love last semester. Oh, nice. And one of the things we talked about was how much emphasis our society places on romantic love, mm-hmm. even though like the ancient Greeks, they had four different types of love. Um, they had Eros, which was romantic, um, Storge, Philia, and um, Agape. And those were all different types of love, like spiritual, spirituality, religious love, family love, friendship. So I think that, it's interesting what you said that like to create a fully developed character, oftentimes there does need to be romance, Mm -hmm. but I think I would disagree that that's always the case. And this is going to be kind of a silly example. I don't know if it'll apply to your (laughs) listeners, but in frozen and that movie does some serious queer baiting. So it's not like the gold standard, but Elsa is one of the main characters. Everyone loves her. She's super well-developed. You get a lot of her inside, and she never has a romantic relationship with anyone. Yeah. So it's like it, you don't need to have a romantic relationship in order to have your character developed. And I think even in Avengers and Ultron, like that moment when they go back to Hawkeye's house and you find out that like everyone else is finding out that Hawkeye has a wife and kids, but Black Widow already knew that, and she like runs and hugs the kids. And she's like, oh, how's little baby Natasha doing? It's just like that to me is character development. Very much so. In a platonic way, you know? Yeah. Oh, and to be so clear, I, to be clear, I, I didn't mean by at all, and I think I may have misspoken if I did, and my apologies there, that a character needs that romantic sexual development. I think I think you're right. We can have a character who either that's just not a part of their life for whatever reason, 
or we just it happens off screen and we don't need to know. I I, yeah. I guess my only my only point was that I think sometimes, you know, Hollywood's kind of dumb about a lot of these issues, <laughs> and sometimes when they get criticized for going one way, there's a tendency to swing back the other way. Mm-hmm. And I know I've read some writers talk about the that the problem of the way women are sexualized in comic book movies like that the answer to that shouldn't be that therefore no woman ever has a relationship on screen again in these movies either. Um, yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to what you said at the very beginning, that part of the problem of black widow for so long being the only one. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and say more about that. How does that tie in for you? Oh yeah. So um, yeah, I totally get, you don't want to swing the other way. And I'm like, absolutely not in support of no woman ever having a relationship again. But if you just have one, you really got to play your cards right. Like, I don't know, maybe if you had two or three female Avengers, you could have like maybe two of them are in relationships while the other one isn't, but it's just, it began, it again comes back to this problem of it, there's just one female Avenger who's actively fighting in these. Right. And so once again, a lot is right on her and you could make arguments for both sides. I think of like, well, it's good that she had a relationship to show that women can be tough, but also, be in love or like the other way where women maybe we should just one time show a woman who's really tough and doesn't so yeah, yeah it just gets very confusing <laughs> i mean it's why i think things like um luke cage and black panther have been so important where mm-hmm. you've been able to instead of having like the one black character on screen have a whole world in which numerous black characters are around and so none of them have to be the stand-in none of them have to be this character speaks for all and um, exactly. I feel like Wonder Woman tried to do that somewhat. Um, and, and some other movies have really done more to kind of introduce a lot more female characters. Um, kept, and we'll get to Captain Marvel to be sure, although she's a late addition to all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, right. I think that's for so long, so much of that was resting on, on, on Natasha's shoulders. And it, 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 it makes it, it it's a pro, it's a, I, I love the character in so many ways, but it definitely is a hard thing with, with her. Um, yeah. No, I, I think all that's true, and certainly we we get Captain Marvel added later, which adds a lot more of which which adds a, a whole other dynamic. And Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy is part of the MCU, and certainly introduces a number of women characters. Uh, one of whom is a love interest, another one is not. Two more of which are not. Um, but I think that Guardians to me is sort of not. It's part of the MCU, and is brought together in Endgame, but they're not Avengers in the same way, at least not till the very end. Mm-hmm. So I don't think of them often in that this in the same kind of conversation. Um, yeah. So let's get to um, Ultron. Cause I think that's where for a lot of folks, actually let's talk about her in civil war because I feel like um, in, uh, in civil war, I feel like she's a very interesting character because she's the only one who switches sides. You know, she starts out on the Tony Stark side and she has a kind of, um, you know, in many ways, I feel like her position is very similar to Tony's in that she knows she's done wrong things in the past. And I feel like she feels like she needs that authority of Nick Fury and the Avengers and now the Sokovia Accords, like telling her what to do, you know, telling mm-hmm. her what is right, what is wrong, because she doesn't tr- kind of trust her own moral compass. Um, but then she does switch sides and or at least helps uh, Cap and the others get away. I think for me... Black Widow in Civil War is kind of emblematic of everything I love and everything I'm a little bit frustrated with about how her character is portrayed. Because, mm-hmm. as I said, I feel like 
her being on team Tony at the start makes a lot of sense. And she's kind of, I think in many ways, the moral crux because she is the one who switches and Mm -hmm. her, her reasons why I think it's because she does trust cap because she does believe in what he's doing, but she's still very conflicted about it. Um, yeah. And where I'm conflicted about it in terms of the way her character is written is, I feel like the fact that you don't remember it much is because it's a pretty small part of the movie. Like, I really mm-hmm. wish we'd gotten a lot more of Natasha's journey in that movie and why she decides to be on first team Tony and then to kind of switch sides. But it's not entirely clear what she's doing. Like, to me, that's another case where, and granted, Civil War, it's hard because you had eight major characters or I'm just making up a number because I'm bad at math. But, you know, you, you have a number <laughs> of major characters. You're introducing a couple of completely new characters. There's so yeah. much to dog into. But I would have really loved to see more, even if it had been more of that developed with her in the earlier movies. Because I, I do feel like her, I, I, I'm, you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows the whole Team Tony, Team Cap question is kind of at the, the moral heart of everything I think about in terms of all these stories. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I would have loved to see more about where Natasha falls in that. Because I think it's an issue yeah. that we haven't really seen explored as much as I'd like. And, and frankly, I'd love to see explored in, in this new movie she's coming out with. Yeah, that would, yeah. I do, yeah, it's interesting that we're doing this podcast and this topic over essentially, like, a side character. She's never had her own movie, so there isn't really anything we can go back to that's like, well, we learned in this that she's blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah, I mean, so. it, she, she's, she's been an important part of a number of movies. But yeah, she's, yeah. Never, she's never been the definitive character. She's never been the title character. Um, mm-hmm. In many ways, I feel like she is just as much uh, like I feel like her and Steve Rogers have somewhat of an equal role in Captain America, the winter soldier. Like they're they're, Mm -hmm. Those two are the team and she doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like a sidekick to me, but it's the movie isn't called Captain America and black widow. It's called Captain America. (laughs) Yeah. She still has that sort of second billing. Yeah, definitely. Um, So let's get to Ultron. Because I know it sounded like that's a movie you have a a lot of feelings on. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I took notes when I was watching it. I just got really fired up right at the beginning. Then I'll explain why. (laughs) Yeah, so so tell me more. What's your take on the way she's portrayed in Ultron? Yeah, so, I mean, right at the beginning, there's like, you know, they're um, doing that fight. And, you know, Cap says that funny line like, oh, language. And it starts off sort of lighthearted. And the part that bugged me was when they had to like calm the Hulk down mm-hmm. and they called her in and they called it a lullaby. Mm. And that bugged me because not only are you like taking the woman out of the active fighting and like, it's an important thing to do, but, and like the way she stroked his arm and his hand was just, I don't know. It was really weird to me and calling it a lullaby really makes it seem like, she is his mother mm. and like she's and she even says at one point in that movie i think it's more towards the end she's like oh i'm always picking up after you boys i was like okay i get if you want her to have a romantic relationship but what i really didn't want them to do is what i feel like they did and that's put her in a motherly role yeah because i just think that's just automatically where people's minds go and so that just frustrated me that they called it a lullaby. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, why couldn't you call it like a cool down or a rest or just anything except a lullaby? I don't know. So that one part just really like frustrated me. And then throughout the rest. And then it's weird too, because it's like, 
it almost starts like they have this like motherly son relationship, but then obviously it goes into a romantic relationship. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a very good point. One I probably didn't pick up on as much as I should have, especially with the word lullaby. Um, I didn't see it in a motherly way, but I definitely saw it as the sort of like, which I guess I guess what I'm about to say is motherly, but like that, you know, she's kind of the caretaker of, of the boys, you know, that like they, they mm-hmm. leave messes and she has to clean up. And there's a very, to me, Beauty and the Beast aspect to what happens with her and Banner yeah. in terms of her being the one to calm him down. And when we discover that they actually have more of an emotional connection, I feel like it makes a lot more sense because I think, you know... Bruce is obviously someone who doesn't trust people much. And if we establish that, like, Bruce and Natasha have this, like, flirtation they're building and he does trust her, I think I'm totally okay with the idea that she's the one to calm him down because they connect. And it doesn't have to be about the way that she's a woman. But you're right. The way that it's phrased in terms of a lullaby and and, um, the way that that it's set up, I think, rubbed me a bit the wrong way. I, I really liked when they began the flirtation. Um, but then I definitely have some problems with it later on. Um, because I think for me, what really gets to me, and I think this ties into the stuff about the, um, uh, what you're saying about the motherly aspect is that then when she's talking more with Banner and, and, you know, he's talking about how upset he is that he has the Hulk inside him and this monstrous aspect and how can someone ever truly love him? What she says is, well, but I... You saw it more recently, and so you might remember the exact wording, but my memory is that she basically says, like, I'm just as monstrous because I can't have children. Um, Yeah. And I'm guessing you have some thoughts on that particular interaction. Yeah. So, yeah, they're talking, and she says, like, uh, you know, we all had to get sterilized, and I think she says, like, you're not the only monster in this room or something. Yeah. Which, um, so, yeah, I guess the way I thought of it when I saw so, like, sterilization is, like, really freaking intense and scarring and traumatic. So, like, that definitely probably contributed to her thoughts. But, yeah, I think she was just saying that because she couldn't fulfill her womanly duty of having kids, mm-hmm. that she was a monster. And I think that's especially true because it was con- um, contrasted with Hawkeye's wife, who was pregnant at the time. Oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that part. And so they're in this, like, family house, and there's kids running around, and Hawkeye's wife is pregnant. And so I think it's, like, pretty... I feel like they almost use that contrast to like make it seem even more like she was a monster. But I was like, Oh no, yeah. <laughs> you cannot like maybe thousands of years ago, um, tens of thousands of years ago when humans only early humans, their only goal was to reproduce. Like, yeah, it would be an issue if a woman couldn't, but we are not at that place anymore. Like right. you are a freaking Avenger. You have done so many amazing things and to call yourself a monster just because you can't reproduce, which like, who knows if she even wanted to in the first place. Right. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was not a fun <laughs> moment. Yeah. It, it struck, it, it was definitely something I really didn't like about the movie. And, and I will say in fairness, um, you know, I, I did some reading on this and, and there was a number of articles that were written by women at the time who said that, um, you know, women who dealt with their own infertility and feeling like monsters because of it, because of how much society pressure there is about, like, to define someone by their ability to get pregnant and, and to have kids, and that they felt like something very cathartic about uh, Black Widow talking like that. And so I don't want to invalidate that experience at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I think having a character who is a woman who can't be pregnant and has strong feelings about that, I think that's 
That's an important character beat. It's that... It again, it goes back to a her being the only woman, and so that being like the thing mm-hmm. that's shown, and it just feels like such a trope of how do you show that a woman has uh, an aspect of herself that she feels is monstrous? Let's make her infertile. You know, I think a, a comment I've made on this show a number of times before is is my frustration with kind of the low hanging fruit of you know, how do you show that a black character has a troubled past? Let's make him a drug dealer. You know, how do you show yeah. that like it just there are these things that just are it's sexist you know tropes or racist tropes. That having a particular character who deals with this is fine, but having it be the one thing that we always go to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I think I found that frustrating, and especially just in the the larger context, especially because there's never a character who sort of says to her, no, of course that doesn't make you a monster. What are you talking about? Um, mm-hmm. I, well, because I don't remember, like, am I right that Bruce doesn't, like, he doesn't comfort her in that kind of way? He doesn't sort of, like, say, as you said, like, you're ridiculous, you're an Avenger, you're not a monster at all? Oh, yeah, no, he doesn't. He's like, oh, like, it's almost like he's like, thanks for making me feel better. Like, you are a monster. Right. I was just like, what? Are you not going to say anything? And then the scene just cuts. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, it, it definitely was a scene that I wrestled with, especially because it had been such an interesting part of her character up till then. Um, yeah. Ultron also has the moment that I think is, in many ways, kind of one of the most interesting moral ca- moral choices for her character, and one that I think is pretty problematic and i'm wondering what you think of what you know one of the things throughout that movie is that bruce does not want to be the hulk um that he doesn't want to turn into the hulk and then towards the end of the movie when the fight's getting really bad she basically says like i i i respect that you don't want to be the hulk but we need him and she Mm -hmm. i think she pushes him off a cliff or or, i'm not exactly but she basically does something to force him to turn into the hulk um yeah what what was your take on how that was handled yeah, I think, I mean, well, obvious, I don't know, because it's, I mean, I think that was, like, right in the midst of, like, the enormous fighting towards the end. Yeah, and she says, like, you know, I care about you, but I need the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, pushes him into, like, one of the things that's falling down because the whole city is, like, being risen. Um, that was a bad explanation. But, yeah, so I think that's definitely... I don't know it's tough because it's like in a lot of ways it's selfish to like put somebody in a situation that they absolutely do not want to be in and it takes them a long time to recover from that you know it's not just like oh do this thing you sort of just like doing right it's like turn into this other person that you do not want to be um and then she says like we need the other guy and i think i don't know what do you think i'm kind of i'm kind of torn I, I, this is one of those moments where I can disagree with a character while loving the moment. I thought it was mm. one of my favorite moments in that movie because I disagree with it. But I also rec- like, you know, I mean, one of the things I think superhero movies bring up in general is how do you balance individual rights versus collective good and collective need? And those should be, you should almost always be on the side of collective right, you know, individual rights. But like, you know. Um, last night I recorded an episode about the old guard, uh, another great movie on Netflix, um, which we were talking about where the kind of question becomes like, can you violate the human rights of five people in order to literally prevent death on the planet earth? Um, and like, you know what it becomes, and to some extent, I feel like they probably did need Hulk and Bruce not wanting to be Hulk may well have, would have like maybe cost thousands of people their lives. Yeah, but, that's where I'm torn. Well, and and so I, I feel like on some, 
There's a point someone else made on this podcast. Uh, I don't. I think it was um, our former host, uh, former host, uh, yeah, former co-host Jacob Leachich, but it may have been someone else where he said basically like, I think it's. I don't think it was the moral thing to do, but I'm glad they did it. And I, mm. I kind of feel like that about what Natasha does. I think it was maybe necessary. I definitely didn't want her to do it, but it felt very much like what her character would do. And I think that's why I yeah. like it so much because it felt like, you know, her character is very pragmatic. She's very much a realist. She's very much a, the high minded discussions about right or wrong, or, you know, should I do this? The monsters here, we need our monster. Let's get into the fight. And, I think part of what I love it is that it has consequences that, you know, a couple mm. of movies later when Natasha and Banner finally are reconnected, he clearly doesn't trust her and he clearly still has some bitterness or resentment about what happened. And it clearly has created a breach in their relationship. And yeah, I, I hate that. And it's hard to watch, but I also, it, it felt very real to me. And I, I really liked how they paid that off a couple of movies later. Yeah, no, definitely. It's like a real life. You guys were talking about this in, the last episode I listened to, it's like a real life trolley problem where mm -hmm. are you going to let it run over Bruce Banner to save the lives of other people, knowing that like he'll be okay, just it's definitely going to hurt him, or are you going to let the trolley kill those other people, you know? Right. And yeah, I think I definitely agree with you. Like, that's why I'm torn is because I think that they did need him and they doing that probably did save a lot of lives and it definitely created a rift in their relationship and it was obviously a horrible time yeah. for Bruce but yeah I don't know it's just like it's, it's a tricky situation yeah no it definitely is definitely is and I, and I think it gets to what, what I think is one of the most interesting parts of her character is, is that is that kind of pragmaticness and that's one thing I, I, I hope will we'll get explored in this new movie because um, mm -hmm. I think that's a, in a lot of ways um I don't think we've ever seen much of the relationship between her and Nick Fury on screen, have we? Like they, he t he gives her orders, but we've never really seen them. We've never really seen like how they relate to each other much. The way um, he does with um, what what's the woman who who works for him? Who I don't Kobe Smolders. Kobe Smolders is the actress. Yeah, I can't remember her character's name. Yeah, I don't. But yeah. I don't know. If they... But yeah, we've never really seen him and um, uh, uh, Natasha interact much on screen, have we? No, I really don't. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too, because all these other people are, like, superheroes who kind of came in from outside, but she technically has worked with him. Right. Yeah, I mean, she's part of – she's an official agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think there's a great story to be told there because, you know, certainly it makes sense that she would, after kind of, like, you know, being raised in this very screwed-up Russian KGB kind of thing – like really want to latch on to someone else to really help her f decide what's what's right, how to get Black back in her ledger. And mm -hmm. for, you know, to me, the other person who would absolutely just, you know, kick Banner off the edge to make him turn into Hulk is Nick Fury. Um, yeah. And so I like her doing that because it very much seems like that's what Nick would do. And I could see that, or not, no, she would think of it as that's what Fury would do. And I could think of that, that, that being a very important part of her decision-making. Yeah, and well, in Endgame when after Fury disintegrates, she kind of takes over as, like, head, doesn't she? I think she does, yeah. Uh, yeah, she definitely yeah, is the one she's... kind of... And you can see how much it's affecting her and how much it's hitting her hard, but, yeah, no, it very much does. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I think they're similar in that fashion, too, is that they step up and organize when they need to, maybe without necessarily getting the glory, which 
she clearly does not get an end game. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, sh- shall we move to that? Shall we talk about um, yeah. the Natasha's death and end game and how that whole thing is played out? Yeah. So, yeah, I think when we were messaging about this earlier, that's something I really wanted to talk about because, and it's specifically because how her death was treated versus how Tony Stark's death was treated mm-hmm. because those, it was like night and day. So there's just, I didn't rewatch all of Endgame, but I just rewatched the scene um, where her and Hawkeye are like fighting over who should die. And then she ends up like kind of beating him ish in the fight in that she ends up falling to her death. And it's like a very, it's a very emotional scene. There's really intense music. Um, obviously Hawkeye is like incredibly affected by it at the end, but then that's just sort of it. Yeah. Whereas when Tony dies, it's, um, very much, I mean, they have, he, there's show that video, uh, of like him talking to Gwen Paltrow and their child and they have that huge memorial at the end. And it's like, Oh my God, Iron Man died. Like, wow. He was, it's like, but when you, look back at the work each of those characters did. I mean, I don't know. I'm not as knowledgeable, but I know that black widow did a lot to help as well. And especially when everyone half the world disintegrated into dust Mm -hmm. when she stuffed, stepped up and became that leader. Yeah. She was the one kind of keeping things going and, and and keeping some Mm -hmm. kind of hope alive and, and kind of keep track of what was happening in the world. I think that's very true. Yeah. And the other thing that made me think about was um, circling back to this like monster because she can't reproduce is I feel like a lot of the reason they gave Tony a bigger memorial was because he had a wife and child and because it's like he had people that like were counting on him or something. But I think that that's an unfortunate understanding of the world where it's like if someone is a husband or father or like if they're a parent or a spouse or something if there's that like romantic familial thing that it's like worse that they die I mean it's it's horrible if like a parent dies when a child is super young but I just didn't like the vibe that gave and this like probably wasn't intentional they didn't mean to do this but what I sort of gathered from that was like there wasn't anyone to miss Black Widow in the way Pepper Potts and their daughter would miss Iron Man. Yeah, I I didn't get that dynamic. Though I'm not saying you're wrong for seeing it. I just it, that just wasn't what I picked up on. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely was bothered by it though. I I I thought the scene between him and Natasha, between him and uh, Hawkeye and Natasha, trying to figure out which one of them should die. You know, it was hard to watch, and there was some aspect of that. You know, you have a a wife and kids, and I don't, and so that makes your life more valuable. That I kind of cringed at, but. I, I did feel like that was a very powerful moment between those two characters as well as the fact that they mm-hmm. both have this, you know, I mean, they're both the biggest Gryffindors you've ever met. You know, Natasha is, <laughs> yeah. has a lot of Slytherin tendencies, but is very Gryffindor. And in that whole, like, no, I want to be the one to sacrifice. No, I want to be the one to sacrifice. And I, I kind of roll my eyes at both of them, but like, I get where they're yeah. coming from. What I took it as was more, um, the reason I thought Tony got the memorial he did, and this doesn't make it okay, because it does mean that, as, as you said, I think Natasha got so much short shrift, um, honestly, is because I feel like, you know, if there is an overarching plot to the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, it is the redemption of Tony Stark. Um, yeah. And so I feel like, you know, the first Iron Man was this, the first Avengers movie 
ended with him almost dying to save everybody. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was kind of from the very beginning. It was, you know, that the world was probably going to be saved by him sacrificing himself and that he would therefore need this epic funeral to see him out. But you're right that like, and so I, I sort of felt like in a way the filmmakers had this big problem because to make it the joint funeral for Black Widow and for him would have been hard to do. But it also felt like her death didn't, like you said, it didn't get the attention it deserved because it was just as important to sacrifice in many ways. It was essential to them winning the fight. And Exactly, yeah. And I think, yeah, it felt, I, I wish that, you know, that if, even if it had been like the Avengers taking a moment before the final fight to gather together and like everyone tell a yeah. story about missing her. And I, they do a little bit of that, but not anywhere near enough. And I really wanted more of that. Yeah, yeah, and I, do get what you're saying and it does make sense he was iron man was involved in a lot more he was in a lot of like the captain america movies and he was a mentor to um the third spider-man who also became involved at in this right and avengers so it makes sense and he was like the huge uh tech mogul and he invented all these things and he always helped with like the scientific aspect but yeah, I just I totally agree that I wish there was more. And especially again coming back, she's the only <laughs> woman. And at this point there's they have lots of they have Captain Marvel involved and um there's actually I also want to talk about that scene in Endgame in like the big final fight. There's a scene where like Captain Marvel is walking and then it like pans out and it's like all the um female characters fighters do you know what i'm talking about yeah it's where like where you know uh, all the different women characters who've been introduced all have this kind of like running thing i think where they're they're yeah. they're keeping the um the gauntlet away or i don't remember exactly yeah but there's, there's basically a thing where like they're all working together but yeah that that's yeah. you know, i definitely know exactly what you're talking about yeah so i remember when i saw that in the theaters i was like yeah like go women i love this but looking back i'm just kind of like okay i it feels to me and maybe this is I think I'm taking more out of this than the writers intended, but that's just like how I roll as a philosopher and feminist. Mm -hmm. It felt to me like, okay, yay, women, you got your moment. Okay, now back to Tony Stark and Captain America and the other people who are fighting. And the other thing that bugged me was, and my friend explained this to me afterwards, but so I feel like at the end of Infinity War, they made a huge deal about Captain Marvel where, you know, right as Nick Fury is, like, disintegrating, he pages her. And then she has her whole movie, and she literally flies into space and, like, rescues the spaceship. And without her, they absolutely could not have won whatsoever. Right. But then I feel like in Infinity War, she's just, like, there. (laughs) Yeah. Fighting alongside everyone else. And my friend sort of explained it to me afterwards. She was like, well, you know, this was the finale for this original crew of Avengers, like, you know, Black Widow, Iron Man, Cap, all those people. So it wasn't, you know, it didn't focus as much on Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. But then that almost made me even more mad. It's like, okay, you give the first Marvel movie starring and named after a female character, you give us that, and then it's almost like you rip it away at the end. Where it's like, actually, this still isn't about her. It's about a man. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's fair, and I think it's um, we're now getting in areas where I'm not I'm not the best to comment on, and so I'm really glad to hear your perspective because, like, you know, I'm not a woman, and so like knowing what is, you know, what most speaks to someone isn't one I can really comment on. I know, mm-hmm. I I definitely liked that moment of all the women getting to do things, but I 
but I hear what you're saying, like the idea of like the women got their moment. What that says is that every that every other moment is man's moment. You know, it's the whole idea of like yeah. the reason we need Women's History Month is because every month is Men's History Month and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I like that they also did other great things in the fight itself, but but that it all kind of struck the wrong note. And I I adore the Captain Marvel movie. I think she's a great character. Oh, yeah. Um, I think she, though, was criminally underused in those Avengers movies because – you know, so, like you said, she she's very much kind of just the deus ex machina at the end. She doesn't really get to have, though, a strong character and um, really be a part of the team in an important way, um, which mm-hmm. is frustrating. Um, so, yeah, let's let's then kind of talk about the, the last big thing, because I want to um, we, we're almost an hour. I don't want to go too, too long. Um, how are you feeling about the upcoming movie? Um, and let's let's actually break it down first, because I think obviously I, I want to not end on a negative note. Um, and I think there's a lot of interesting things to say about the movie itself but obviously kind of one of the issues that's come up is scarlett johansson herself and a lot of people having mixed feelings about whether they want to see the movie or want to give money to the movie because of scarlett johansson um what what's your kind of take on her and her sort of what the the controversies around her as an actress and how you're feeling about the movie because of that yeah so um i also just sort of like read a, a couple articles on her i knew that she no, she was cast in Ghost in the Shell, um, and that was a huge controversy because that was a based on a Japanese comic book, I believe, where it was canonically an Asian per, um, lead. And so the fact that they just like threw a white person in was, to me, very obviously for name recognition and in very intense whitewashing. Right. And I also, in this other article... I read, so there were a bunch of allegations against Woody Allen and she had like worked with him before. And basically when someone asked her, like, what are your thoughts? She was like, well, he's never been rude to me. So like, I don't, I, my opinions haven't changed. And it's like, holy crap, (laughs) just, you cannot base your whole impression of a person just on your experience. Like if someone else is like, Hey, that person abused me, you need to take that seriously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, but it's again, it's a tough conundrum because it's like it's the, only the second Marvel movie featuring a female lead and named after a female lead. And Black Widow, this like really developed character, is finally getting her moment. And like you said, we will hopefully get to learn a lot more about her backstory and what led to the choices that she makes and her moral compass and all that. But it's hard knowing that Scarlett Johansson is in it. Yeah, I I definitely have similar feelings. I think for me, um, you know. And- I can understand, especially when she was kind of, it's one thing to be cast in a movie when you don't really fully understand all the issues around whitewashing and things like that. There have been a couple of other movies that she's been cast in since then. Uh, one where she was cast as a, a trans man and then later decided not to yeah. take the role. Um, and at least she did decide not to take the role. But then she's continually made a number of public statements about kind of rejecting the idea that, you know, um, that we shouldn't be trying to give characters from particular communities roles from that community and, and, and trying to, you know, that really rejecting the idea that, that she should ever be thoughtful about, you know, well, maybe a, uh, someone from a community that doesn't get as many roles as I do should take that role instead. Um, but I think I'm also like you. I, at one point, I thought I'm not going to see the movie. I, I think that doesn't make sense because I think there, there's – you're right. It's an important movie to see. There's a part of me that feels like I might decide not to give money to the movie if I can figure out a way to, 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 to do that, like, you know, if someone else has it mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but it's an interesting one, and I feel like – when the movie comes out, these debates are going to start up again. And I'm, 
I'm frankly going to be following that closely because I feel like, yeah, like what you said, there's kind of a like, she's not great. And I understand the desire to kind of not support her. But also it's to me, if I don't give my dollars to the movie and the movie, I mean, it's not gonna, my dollars aren't going to be what makes or breaks it. But I also <laughs> would hate to see this movie be a flop and therefore people learn, OK, we shouldn't have more women movies in the MCU, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's a debate that I'm going to kind of want to hear both people's sides uh, uh, on, you know, as we get closer to it. Um, yeah. But so with that, so yeah, let's let then talk about what, what are your, what are your thoughts about the movie that's coming up? Are you hopeful about it? What do you, what, what would you want to see it from it? I think I am hopeful. I actually, I just looked up the movie poster and it looks like, so you've got um, obviously Scarlett Johansson in the front. I do also know they have Florence Pugh in it and um, I, I just love her mm-hmm. as an actress. And then it looks like they've got one person of color just like snuck in there as your token person of color on the movie poster. <laughs> so that's, you know, concerning. But yeah, I guess I, I'm glad that they're having a movie that's focused on her and her backstory so that the central theme of her will be her <laughs> and not um, her relationship to the men in the Avengers franchise. Right. So, yeah, I think I'm... I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to delving into just like to have a, it's just, it seems so dumb, but to focus on a female, like, cause it's just, it doesn't happen in Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think it would just be really nice to have, you know, another movie about a woman character, you know, not, not just say like, Oh no, we got, um, you know, Captain Marvel, we're done. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot about the DC universe that I don't like, but I, I really appreciate that now both Wonder Woman and Harley have gotten, it's not officially Harley's movie, the second one, but it really is. I mean, she's the only one whose name is in the care is in the title, um, of the, um, Birds of Prey movie. And they're very, very different characters and very different kind of women. Um, and, and it'd be really nice, I think, to see that. I think mostly I'm I'm just really curious in this journey she's on. I want to see the red in her ledger and how she decides yeah. to turn. You know, is it that she just gets captured and doesn't have a choice? Like, does she have a moment where, you know, she betrays the people she were trained by in order to save, like, Nick or someone from S.H.I.E.L.D. or, you know, what happens? And mm-hmm. I would love it if it, it helps us to better understand why she makes the decisions she does. You know, why she um you know makes the choices she does in civil war and all that like i just there's there's so much richness to her character i'd really love to see explored because as you said when she's not the sidekick when it's really just her story yeah yeah i think it'll be interesting too to see maybe like her thoughts on why if they include this what influenced her to think that she was a monster because she couldn't have children or maybe if there was also something in her past that sort of like drew her mm-hmm. to Bruce as this like monster who like sometimes can't control himself to see if there's like, if they try to add substance and reasoning behind that yeah. rather than just like, Oh, let's pair her up with someone. I'm not sure I'm there because I, I did like the way she describes her interest in Bruce in Ultron because it's much more about him being this kind of shy nerdy guy, but the good side yeah. and you know, to me, it felt much more like she loves him because she is what he wants. He is what she wants to be. You know, he is kind of moral and good and, and upstanding. And he's he's not the pragmatist she is. I think, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce, I think, would never push someone off the edge to make them become the Hulk. Um, in part because yeah. he knows the pain of it himself, but also because 
he's not the pragmatist that way. And I think she doesn't think she's wrong for it, but I think she's really attracted to someone who's not, who is more idealistic that way. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But you're right. Seeing that, like seeing that whole journey of her through the movie, I think would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Um, so I think that's kind of a good place to, to, to call it a day. Is there any other last points about Black Widow though, that you wanted to, to get into or last questions we should discuss? I don't think so. I think this was good. We covered most of what I had, my major thoughts and grievances. So, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, well, thank you so much, Ellie. I'm really glad you got to come on and be a part of this. Um, and to our fans, yeah. what do you all think? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, are you excited about the movie? Are you you're nervous about it? Uh, what have you loved or not loved about how Black Widow has been portrayed up till now? Please let us know. You can find us on uh, Twitter and Facebook at Superhero Ethics. You can email us at SuperheroEthics at gmail.com. And you can find all the information about us and all the other great podcasts that are part of the Stranded Panda podcast network at strandedpanda.com. Um, if you like what you hear, please, um, we, we really want to try to grow the podcast more. So I'd love it if you want to share this with a friend, you know, send them a link, tell them about it. And one of the best ways you can help the podcast right now is to leave us a review. Uh, the more reviews we have, especially on iTunes, really helps to get more people listening, let more people know about it, bring more people in the conversation. So I'm half myself, everyone else involved. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.